Welcome to Rebel Health Radio, bringing the best in alternative and integrative medicine to your ears. Hi everybody, I'm going to just um, go through the slides for the October community membership. Thank you very much for attending. Um, so just a quick summary of last time. I'm just going to put full screen on and then get rid of that. Move that away. And so last time we looked at the fact that the autonomic nervous system is the basis of not only our physiology and its regulation, but also our emotions. So the, the same system works for both. And that's why emotions are really important in how your body functions. It's all mediated by the autonomic nervous system. And in particular, one part of the, the autonomic nervous system, the vagus nerve. And this is very important because it's part of the calming system, the one that calms everything down. And when our limbic brain is triggered by unresolved emotions, usually from our past, but it can also be in the, in the present, you know, the triggering is in the present. We get all manner of strange and somewhat frightening body symptoms. So we might get pain or tingling or numbness because what's happening is the emotions are being translated neurologically via our autonomic nervous system. And the only kind of uh, expression our body has is, is via our nerves, via sensation. And so uh, when you understand that and you start to learn the language of the body, then you can actually find solutions. And often the solutions involve changing your interpretation of what's going on, the symptoms that you're experiencing and getting out of fear um, and catastrophization, for instance, you know, thinking that something really, really wrong is happening. And, um, and so it's really, it's all in the perception of what's happening to you. Uh, it's, it's also at a, a level in the cell itself but we're coming on to that today. So we're getting messages from the body, which we have to somehow make sense of. And often the sense that people make of what's happening to them is one of um, fear. You know, um, this is terrible. I'll never recover. Uh, I must have done something horribly wrong to be so punished. You know, my body's attacking me. Those kinds of thoughts and sensations are very, very common when you get ill. And so that's kind of what we looked at last time. And we just touched on the fact, therefore, that the interpretation or perception of what's going on changes our cells at the level of um, the genes, actually, and the way the DNA is expressed. And today I want to go into a bit more depth with something called the cell danger response. And this is how the body changes its metabolism with regard to the external environment. And this is a, a diagram of the cell. It's a very beautiful diagram. I mean, um, it's stylized. In fact, it doesn't look quite like this in reality, but um, you'll see there are some important parts. There is the nucleus in the middle, which holds the chromosomes. That's our nuclear DNA. That's the, the code. And then there's the protein manufacturing machinery here, the endoplasmic reticulum. And then circled in red here is, is the mitochondrion. Um, 
of which there will be many thousands usually per cell. And everything that happens to us in our lives is recorded by the body in myriad ways, whether it's via our uh, microbiome in the gut, whether it's via the fascia, which is the kind of connective tissue body stocking that is a liquid crystal matrix that um, transmits information throughout our body. And the DNA in our cell, you know, is the basis of our cellular memory. You know, the, the way the DNA expresses itself um, changes depending on what the system has experienced before. And then the final way in which I think our body records stuff is via the mitochondria. And, and we used to understand the mitochondria as energy factories, but actually they're far more than that. There are they're sensing organelles as well, and they... They sense things in the body. And if you look at a, a close-up, really, of a, of a mitochondrion, you'll see that it looks a bit like a bacteria. And um, there's a reason for that, that bacteria actually were, uh, before they kind of had a, a fusing with an animal cell um, many hundreds of thousands of years ago, um, they, they formed a symbiotic relationship, which has created the, the common um, multi functional cell that we have now and probably enabled evolution because what what bacteria had that they gifted us was efficient respiration so giving us energy but if you think of bacteria and how they multiply and how they adapt um, they also have this amazing ability to pick up change in the environment okay and that's they've also gifted us along with indeed their own um DNA, they've got their own DNA as well, which is uh, maternally um, gifted. So it comes along the maternal line only. And so the mitochondria are far more than, than just passive energy factories. They are responsive, living, sensing organelles. And they are absolutely responsible for the translation of the state of the organism into health or illness. And so mitochondria really lie at the core of this. And in a normal healthy person, you've got what's called the health cycle, which is basically activity and nutrient intake and then sleep, and then back to activity and nutrient intake over the day and sleep at night. But um, if we get a stress response, if we get a stress that comes into the system, it, it diverts away from the health cycle to, to this cell danger response, or what I prefer to call the healing cycle. Now, if we call it a healing cycle, how much more um, positive that sounds, you know, than, than maybe focusing on threat. So, and it's a three-stage cycle. It goes in the direction shown by this rather wobbly arrow here. It can't go backwards. It has to go from one, two and three before it comes back to health again. Now, stress, of course, comes in many forms. Um, and, but the particular type of stress I'm interested in is toxic chronic stress, otherwise known as emotional trauma, things that happened to you that overwhelmed you. And they change your physiology in, in this very important way. Um, they change your gut health, they change your energy metabolism, and of course your nerve health, because 
nerves are one of the most energy hungry parts of your body um the numbers of mitochondria in, in your nerves is huge and so mitochondria seem to be at the forefront of how uh, stress is translated at a cellular level and the cell danger response is the term given by robert navio um, but some people have named it the healing cycle because it's, it's a more positive connotation but it's a three-stage neurohormonal and cellular response so initially at the at the macro level you get neurological changes you get um hormone uh uh release from your hpa axis your hypothalamus pituitary and adrenal um, centers and that sets in motion at the cellular level this this kind of um healing cycle and i'll show you that in more detail in a moment but the important part is it changes your stress response to one of damage limitation so it's trying to heal you, but it has to go through certain uh, just required stages. All right. And so when you get sick, it isn't always a, a bad thing. Actually, it's, sometimes it's necessary to clear out toxins from your system, for instance. Um, that can happen in infections. But it's where it gets stuck and becomes chronic that, that I am uh, very interested getting stuck is usually because there's a rate limiting step at one of the points in this cycle either between one and two or two and three or three to back to health and so it's like you've got a roadblock in the loop and as you'll see in a moment where the roadblock occurs is really important now what i love about the cdr is it's a unifying theory of chronic illness okay so it allows us to see how stress, environmental stress, in whatever form that comes, translates at a cellular level via the neurohormonal system to a sense of impending threat, which downregulates your mitochondrial energy systems and creates the various symptoms of chronic illness. Um, but there's another missing factor, even in this diagram, which I've had to add, which is to do with the sensitivity being a highly sensitive person, you remember we covered it a few sessions ago, you're, you, there are certain brain changes which make it much more adapted to st uh, sense stress in the environment. And so you've got like um, an extra factor here that promotes this, this cascade of events. And therefore, people who've had uh, traumatic experiences and are highly sensitive tend to end up with chronic illness to a much larger degree. <clears throat> and remember, this cycle where it gets stuck determines what disease you get. Now, that's really exciting in some ways because it shows you that you can intervene in very specific ways. And I, and I just want to once again show you that the stress turns the CDR on and stress can be anything that's new, any challenge to the environment. Um, it can be just, you know, uh, relationship stress or financial stress or um, being betrayed or humiliated. It can be um, an injury of some kind. It can be toxins in the environment, you know, air, water, heavy metals. It could be an infection. It could be adjuvants added to um, vaccines, for instance, which are designed to trigger this response in the immune system. And it can be just pollutants in the environment, which are unfortunately more and more common. 
And, and so once it's switched on, it has these three stages. So the first stage is containment and innate immunity. Okay, so looking at um, containment, I guess, of, of whatever the threat is. Now, if, if we get stuck here and we don't move through to CDR2, the result is a sort of excess uh, damage or breakdown of cells because we haven't come through to the, to the proliferation or regrowth. Uh, and so um, necrosis, for instance, you know, tissue damage uh, is, is a common effect of this. Um, and and it, it, it's actually very common, but it's not as common as the next level. Uh, and in fact, they, we will see that the, the CDR level is probably the most common uh, roadblock. The next stage is proliferation. And if we get a block here, um, so that you can't move through to the final stage, you're gonna get misrepair. So you're gonna get uh, uncontrolled growth of some kind, whether that's calcification, fibrosis, scarring, um, uh, excess damage to the tissue where the DNA is not being repaired. And that has a huge ramification for aging or senescence. And then of course the, the archetypal uh, disease of this stage being blocked is cancer because you haven't got a chance to destroy um, the, the cells that you don't need or the damaged cells that you don't need. And so you get uncontrolled proliferation, which is effectively what cancer is. And then the final stage of the healing cycle is about remodeling. So getting rid of what you don't want, um, making sure that the cells that you have are doing the right things. So differentiation. Um, and if it gets blocked at this stage, obviously, then you're not going to get cells talking to each other properly. You're going to start to get neurological and psychiatric symptoms, chronic pain, autoimmunity. Um, the, these are the diseases like chronic fatigue related syndromes. And so it's the block in this level that, uh, that, that, that causes people to suffer those kinds of problems. And so it's worth noting, perhaps, that chronic fatigue is, is you know, you've managed the first two stages probably of, of repair, but you've, you've stumbled at the final hurdle. And that's usually, as I've said, because there's a rate limiting step in here. Either you haven't got the right nutrients or, or the right metabolites in some way. Um, and, and that's driven to a large extent by, by this stress response in, in the cell. And so if you're not dealing with the toxic stress that you're under, then these unfortunately are almost inevitable, these, these conditions. And my final slide, I know it's a little complex to follow, um, but here we've stretched out the circle into a line and here's the health, uh, and here's the stress or injury. And then we've got the three stages, CDR1, 2 and 3, and then back to health again. And, and this is just four ways of measuring uh, the changes over that cycle. Um, and the first is, is to do with um, the functional polarization of mitochondria. So it's just looking at the, the, the kind of um, the way that the mitochondria associate or dissociate. Um, the second level is to do with uh, connectivity, cell to cell coordination and connectivity. And you'll see that it, it drops uh, precipitously at the beginning of the uh, cell danger response. And then it only starts to pick up again once you hit um, stage three. And as you can imagine, if you get stuck between two and three, you never get to this point, which is why we end up with chronic fatigue for years and years and years. 
Um, the other important point is uh, oxygen delivery and consumption. And you'll see that um, if this is your baseline level, um, you'll see once the CDR is triggered, oxygen consumption goes right down because you're in a low anaerobic state. Um, and that has ramifications for how, how everything functions because we need tissue oxygen to do just about anything. And you'll see that it does start to increase again in the second stage, but it really comes back to normal level in the third. So if you get a blockage here, you never really get, get to the final um, healing stage. And so um, it was pointed out that maybe ozone therapy, that's why it's so successful. Uh, and I, I'm going to look that up and if I can include a reference for that because I didn't have the answer. But I imagine that if you artificially raise oxygen saturation, you might just propel this stage. Uh, you might sort of make it happen quicker. And then the final uh, division here is to do with the vagus nerve activity. And it, as measured by something called respiratory sinus arrhythmia, which despite being a really long uh, term, actually just means the sort of pacemaker of the heart. It's the, the bundle of nerve uh, it's a nerve complex in the heart that kind of um, makes the rhythm happen. Um, and that's very much mediated by your vagus nerve. That's why vagal toning is so effective because it, it helps uh, stabilize your heart and your heart is at the center of, of probably everything about how you feel. Um, but it's a very good indirect measure of, of your vagal tone. Um, I think HRV is also good, but perhaps Robert Navio uh, wasn't as convinced he's chosen this measure um i don't know what all the letters here mean uh this this is the reference so uh, you can look that up if you're interested but you'll see that the vagus nerve which is so important for calming doesn't really start to increase until that third stage so again if you are stuck between two and three your vagus nerve is hardly functioning and that's why i think vagal um, toning works so well to propel you forward into the, the third stage and hopefully full health and so um that's our our presentation for today and just a, a reminder the emotional audit uh, course that's the group program begins on october the 19th um the next community program is on wednesday november the 1st and something i haven't put on the slide um is i'm doing a talk on october 14th or the chrysalis effect which is an organization devoted to recovery from chronic fatigue related syndromes. And I'm doing a, a keynote talk at their conference, uh, which is entitled from the spiritual, no, from the uh, biological to the spiritual. So uh, hopefully see you at either of those. Thank you so much. Take care everybody and see you soon. Bye for now. Hope you enjoyed listening to Rebel Health Radio. Do subscribe and look forward to catching you soon.